quick note, this is a re-recording due to technical difficulties today. Today we are going to start in the book of Jonah. These first few verses bring up a great question to ask yourself. What are you running from? Hopefully the answer is nothing. Hopefully the answer is that you are running with God and not from God. But today we are going to have a front row seat in seeing a prophet of the Lord who ran from his creator. He is the only prophet that we see in the scriptures that does this. The prophet Amos once said, The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord has spoken, but who can, can but prophesy? As we see here, Amos said he can't help but speak God's word. And all prophets before Jonah, and even the ones that we see after in the Old Testament, responded to what the Lord called them to do. They did what the Lord called them to do. But not Jonah. As we will see, his response is much different. Join me as we read God's word. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah and the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the land or from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. We pray that you help us to focus on your word. We pray that you help us to learn from it, to grow from it, clear our minds of anything that we may be brought with us today, clear our minds of things that we're, we're worried about from last week and that we're worried about from next week, Lord. And just help us to, to just grow through the preaching of your word today. God, help my words to be your words, God. And may we uh, be able to glorify you and worship you through your, through your word today, Lord. We love you, praise you, and thank you. Amen. So before we start into the study of this book, it must be said that this is, an, this is a historical narrative. Now, liberal theologians, meaning liberal meaning their liberation theology, that means that we are going to be, that, that these, that these are, are men and women who are trying to liberate themselves from God's word. So they take scriptures that they don't like, and they try to liberate themselves from from those and these theologians have tried to attack the historicity of this book over the past couple of centuries. Yet until the 19th century it was accepted as historical narrative by virtually every Bible scholar in the world. But even more so we see Jesus refer to this book as historically accurate when he compares this account to his own burial and resurrection to come. Join me as we read Matthew 12:40. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Wow, I had a buddy of mine that said, if you attack Jonah, you attack the resurrection. It's a big deal. Jesus compared the resurrection to Jonah. Is this story unbelievable? Apart from the sovereign and powerful hand of God, absolutely. But our God is an unbelievable God who does unbelievable and supernatural things. If you have a hard time believing the historicity of this book, then your God is too small. And that's a little g God. Because your God is not real. He is not the Lord God, Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth, the only one and true God. With that aside, let's go ahead and jump into the first point. And the first point is, are you running from 
the word. This is the first of three reasons that people run from the Lord. And the first is, are you running from the word? And let's read verse 1 again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying... So the book of Jonah starts off extremely direct. There is no background of Jonah given. We are just told that the word of the Lord came to Jonah and that he is the son of Amittai. Amittai is also a man in whom we know little about. We only have one verse in all of Scripture other than the book of Jonah that mentions this prophet outside of this book here. So 2 Kings 14.25, we see this. He restored the border of Israel from Lebo Hamath as far as the Sea of the Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was from Gath Hefer. We are shown here that Jonah was a prophet of the Lord during the reign of King Jeroboam II during the 8th century BC. He had given a good message to Israel that was fulfilled. It was a message that one of the borders of Israel would be restored, and it came to pass. Jonah was from Gath Hefer, which was a town in the land of Zebulun. And he had given a positive prophecy and was most likely revered for being a prophet of good news. He had two contemporaries, Amos and Micah, who were prophets who spoke mostly judgment. So obviously the people of Israel would have appreciated seeing Jonah come by more than his fellow prophets. So Jonah probably thought as the word of the Lord came, what good news will this be from the Lord this time? Will another one of Israel's enemies fall at the hand of the Lord? Will, the, will, will there be prosperity to come for Israel? We can sense the anticipation of what is to come. How many of us like good news given to us? Or like to be the ones that give good news? Jonah was there as well. My friends, we will see that this word of, from God was more merciful than it first appears. This is a word of judgment, yes, but it is a word of mercy and a chance at repentance. Many today run from the word of the Lord. Many today run from the gospel. Because there is no good news of the gospel if there is not bad news first. People may hear that there is a place of eternal judgment called hell and flee from the conversation because they do not want to hear any more. They do not like this word. But just like the message Jonah is eventually going to deliver is covered with mercy and a chance for repentance, the gospel is full of grace with an offer of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The message of the gospel is that we are all sinners and deserve punishment. But we see, but God, but we see here that God says in Ephesians 2, 4 through 5, through the pen of Paul, he says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. He sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, took the punishment and death that we deserved by being crucified on a cross. But God acted even further again. Three days later, Christ was raised from the dead and took the keys of death in Hades. And now if we will repent or turn away from our sins and turn toward him, we can have eternal life with him in heaven forever. My friends, are you running from the word of the Lord? Are you running from the gospel? I pray that you are not. I pray earnestly that you have embraced the gospel and that you are saved by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. No one should run from the good news of the gospel. No one should run from the word of God. The next question we should ask ourselves in this passage is, are you running from the work? Are you running 
from the work. Let's read verse 2 again. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. So Jonah is obviously in Israel at the time. Uh, the following map shows Jerusalem in relation to Nineveh and uh, Nineveh of Assyria here. And we were unsure of where Jonah was when the Lord spoke to him. But Zebulun, where he was from, was about 60 miles north or so of Jerusalem. So he was somewhere in that area. And verse 2 starts off with the verb arise. And this Hebrew word means to get up into a standing position. And then the Lord commands Jonah to what? Go. He is to get up and go immediately. The God who created the heavens and the earth has given a word to the prophet Jonah and a command to the prophet Jonah. But where is Jonah to get up and go to? God calls Jonah to go to the great city, Nineveh. For those of you who aren't history buffs, Nineveh was a great city in Assyria. The Assyrians, though, however, were a rough people group. They were known for their brutal war tactics and lack of compassion in war. We've heard many news stories regarding the war crimes of Russia in the preceding months. These are, in fact, an abomination to justice but the Assyrians took the supposed war crimes as a badge of honor. Nahum spoke of Assyria's eventual downfall in 612 BC, that would come in 612 B.C. because of their great wickedness. Here is Nahum 3.19. There is no easing your hurt. Your wound is grievous. All who hear the news about you clap their hands over you, for upon whom has not come your unceasing evil. These people had done some horrible things. At the time of Jonah, however, Assyria had an up-and-down kind of power. Obviously, we'll see in the future in 612 B.C. they will fall, as Nahum has predicted. But they had strong seasons and weak seasons, depending on their leadership, whoever their king was. According to secular history records, Assyria was in between their peaks at the time of Jonah. They had struggled with famine as well as some battles, frequent battles with their enemies. Yet their wickedness was still strong, and their evil had still come up, as we see at the end of verse 2. For their evil has come up before me. All sin is an abomination to God. He hates all sin. Yet there is some wickedness that is so concentrated that it calls for special localized judgments. Where have we seen that before? Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Due to their sexual perversion. And we see this in Genesis 19, 4 and 5. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, don't miss this, all the people to the last man. So every man in the city that is of age. And they called to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out so that we may know them. Every single man comes. If we look at this account here, we know that there are two angels that appear as men to Lot to, to help deliver him and his family from the destruction that is coming from the Lord. And just to show how evil this people is, every single man comes to know these two angels. They all want to have a homosexual relationship with these two angels. How depraved have they gone? And we see this explained even more clearly in Jude 7, 
where, where Jude says, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Again, their unnatural desire, homosexuality, is what that's saying. And because of the wickedness of unbridled homosexuality, God brought his judgment upon those cities. There was such a concentration of sin. And we see that God is ready to do the same to Nineveh for their egregious sins. The Assyrians were known to torture their enemies in ways that I won't share with children present. But just know it was worse than you could possibly ever imagine. And know that God's pronouncement of a coming judgment was righteous and just. So taking a step back, we see that Jonah was called to go to this terrible city. In the second point of the sermon, I want us to think about the work that, that he was being called to do. He was, he was to travel to a Gentile city, Nineveh, and proclaim God's judgment. This work did not seem logical to him at all. Never before had an Israelite prophet been called to go to the Gentiles and to go to a group of people that were not only deplorable, but who had also been fierce opponents and attackers of Israel seemed ludicrous to Jonah. Why would you send me there, God? From the sermon title alone, I've already spilled the beans, right? We already know the outcome of this first command from God. We know that Jonah is going to run away. But at this point, he is running away from the work that God has called him to do. Before moving on, I want us to ask ourselves a question as well. Are you running away from the work? By work, you may ask, what do you mean? I mean, has God called you to a certain task or work that you have ignored or fled from? The Bible teaches that God has a plan for each one of us. We see this in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before the world was created, God prepared good works for us to do through the power of Christ. How amazing is this thought? And to personalize that, God created good works for you to do believer. And the question is, how do we, are, are we following that? Are we doing that? So God has distinctly wired and created you in order to do what he has called you to do. But are you being obedient and walking with him as he does these good works through you? The only way we can truly walk in these works that he has called us to, to do is by walking with him daily in prayer and being diligent in studying his word, the Bible. My friends, you may feel unfulfilled currently. You may feel like your life doesn't matter and that you aren't making any difference in the world. You may feel just like you're a cog in the wheel and you're just moving forward and you're just going through the circular motion mindlessly. I want to assure you that this is not the abundant life Christ has promised. If we look at John 10.10, he says, this is Jesus, says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. If, you're, if your life is being stolen from you and you are unfulfilled, it's the thief, the enemy of your soul that is working on you. But Jesus says that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How amazing is that? And this isn't a feel-good prosperity message. A lot of people will take this verse out of context. But this is a biblical understanding of God's calling on your life. The work that you are called to do Frankly, it might be really hard. Jonah was called to go speak to a people who were among the most evil people of his day. Unimaginable evil. Yet, as we will see, his joy was not present when he was not walking with the Lord in faith. 
But I can promise you this. If you follow through with the work that God calls you to do, He will equip you for it and He will be near to you through it. You will find joy and peace despite how hard that work might be. You might be called to be a pastor or an elder or a deacon, a missionary or evangelist, a homeschool mom or a stay-at-home mom, a foster parent or adoptive parent, a volunteer with a pregnancy center or, or with children or with homeless, a politician, a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, a nurse, a mechanic, a builder, or any other job. The list goes on. The only way to know what God is calling you to do is to be walking with Him day by day, minute by minute, hour by hour, and to seek counsel with believers who are doing so as well, to be in prayer, to be in His Word. God might have already revealed this calling to you. You might already know what you're supposed to do. Maybe God has already placed on you the call to become a pastor or a missionary or the call to be a stay-at-home mom despite all the work that you put in for education and all the money that you make or to be a foster or adoptive parent despite what your family might think about that. He might be calling you to get out of your comfort zone around the homeless or around impoverished nations around the world on a missions trip. If you have been revealed this calling, step out in faith. Don't flee from the work like Jonah did at first. God will be near to you throughout this step of faith. He will provide for your needs and the joy and fulfillment that will come when you are faithful and obedient will be overwhelming. I can attest to following through on hard callings in my life. Each time the Lord has been so faithful and merciful to provide for what we need. As I went through medical school and residency and seminary and different things, He has been so good to me and my family. So good. There have definitely been difficult times and difficult roads, but He has always walked with me. And frankly, when I am at my closest with Him, He carries me along the path. Don't run from the work. Finally, you need to ask yourself, are you running from the way? Are you running from the way? Let's read verse 3 again here. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Note that, away from the presence of the Lord multiple times. We'll talk about that. Here we see the same Hebrew word that we saw in verse 2, right? This word arise. And now we see this, this verse, we see rose in verse 2. So Jonah or God calls Jonah to arise and go in verse 2. And Jonah rose and did what? He fled. So he rose to flee in verse 3. The first two verses start off similarly to the calls that we see for other prophets. God speaks and gives a command. Verse 3 is an outlier in the Bible. Verse 3 shows a prophet of the Lord deliberately disobeyed the voice of God. And he flees to Tarshish to try to flee from the presence of the Lord. First, we see Jonah go from Israel somewhere around Jerusalem. Uh, so, so here we have him. He's probably either in Jerusalem or the land of, of Zebulun, right north of there. And where does he go but to Joppa, which is uh, the quickest port that would be near that area. He wanted to get out of Dodge, and he wanted to get out now. This was the closest seaport that he could find, and he went for it. And he wasn't trying to, to just do a little going away. If we look, he went away big. And, and if you look at this next map, we see Tarshish. And you can see how blown up the map is now. Joppa, obviously Jerusalem is just near Joppa there, as we saw in that last picture. We've got Nineveh, uh, which is some 500 miles away from Jerusalem. But now we have Tarshish, which is now up to 3,000 miles away from Jerusalem. 
this is amazing because Tarshish is at the end of the known world. We're looking at Spain, likely, is what most scholars think. And he was fleeing as far away as he could get. But why Tarshish? Why that land? Obviously, we know it's far away, and he was trying to get away from the presence of the Lord. But, but he had a very good biblical reason for going there. If we look at Isaiah, a prophet right before Jonah, he says this, And I will set a sign among them. And from them I will send survivors to the nations. And then we see here, to Tarshish. And if we keep going on, we see, That have not heard my, my fame or seen my glory, that they shall declare my glory among the nations. This is an amazing prophecy for the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hear about the gospel. We'll see Jesus Christ come, and the gospel will be spread throughout the world. And this is a prophecy regarding that. But we see Jonah, instead of uh, accepting that prophecy, he thinks, oh, well, God hasn't spoken there yet, so that's where I'm going to go because God doesn't talk when I'm in Tarshish. He won't be able to talk to me there because it's not that time yet. But not only did he seek to flee, he apparently didn't think he was coming back. Because we see, in order to, to, to secure a ship, they could travel that great distance to Tarshish, as we just saw in that, in that map right there. In order to do that... It cost a lot of money. This was a, a long trip. Uh, some, some scriptures actually maybe even think that a round trip to Tarshish and back would have been around three years. This was a, a huge journey. But if we look here, it would have cost him greatly. And, and most commentators think that he, he sold everything he had, or at least almost all he had, in order to make this journey. And we're not given the answer of why Jonah flees at this point. We'll see later in this book. But the question we are given here is, can we really flee from the Lord? Can we really flee from the Lord? Well, Psalm 139, uh, 7 through 9 answers this question. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I send to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, we know that He's there always. You, you cannot run from God's presence. We cannot run from the way. And I use this term in a twofold application, as you'll see here in a moment. Obviously, we see Jonah. He ran from the way that God had called him to, to, to go. And we see that we can run from the way that God maybe wants to have us go. But we also see Jesus refer to Himself as the way with a capital W. And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We cannot run from the way. We cannot run from our Lord. Our God is sovereign, meaning that he is over everything. He is omnipotent, meaning that he is all-powerful. He is omniscient, meaning that he knows everything. And finally, he is omnipresent, meaning that he is everywhere and every time at once. Jonah thought he could outrun God, but he couldn't. And some of you here might think that you can outrun God. You can just get super busy and put your head down, hit the daily grind so that you don't have to answer to the call of God. Maybe you know he wants you to do a certain task or a certain job or take a step of faith in a certain area, and you've just been running as far and fast and as fast as you can to, to get away from it. My friends, please repent. Turn back to God and run with God and not from God. Run with God and not from God. He will fight your battles. He will equip you for what He calls you to do. And there will be joy unspeakable. And there will be unspeakable peace as you follow Him step by step.
As we come to a close, some of you have been running away from God in regards to salvation, as we spoke about in our first point. Maybe you dabble in Christianity, but Jesus doesn't have your heart. You aren't truly born again. You haven't truly repented of your sins. Brothers and sisters, the free gift of eternal life is offered to all of us. Stop running from God and run to God. Is he drawing you today? Do you feel that pull toward him? If so, respond and open up your life to him. You won't regret it. And if you, if you have been born again, but you are still running from the task that he has called you to do, repent and turn to him. Allow him to, to work through you and walk in the power that he gives. He will not leave you or forsake you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you uh, be with all of those who may not know you, Lord God. I pray that they repent of their sins, they turn to you, and that you save their souls, God. I pray that they come and speak to me after the service and we can talk about this further. God, anyone who, who does know you but has been running away from the call that you have in their life, God, give them, give them strength and give them courage to step out and to persevere in faith. And may you bless them, God. We thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the ability to learn from it and grow from it. Thank you that it is hard, Lord, that it's hard to take in sometimes, but that it changes us from the inside out, God. We love you and we praise you and we thank you. Amen.